0: Geek Top 5 Season 5 I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) This is so exciting. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we're back. It's 2022 The Distant Future. The Earth has been conquered by robots, and aliens, and alien robots. And and people are, are food now. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the sky is a neon purple, <laughs> and women all have short hair, and what are some of those other good future tropes from the 80s? Literally, Soylent
1: Green takes place in the year 2022.
0: Yeah, so does Doom. Weird. Ugh. Yeah. So it's a nightmare apocalypse out there, but Geek Top 5 is back. Uh, because I look, I mean, nothing says nightmare apocalypse like geek culture, but, uh, <laughs> but no, seriously, there are some, some bright spots in the darkness. Uh, one of which, uh, let's just, I mean, look, we don't need to keep dragging this out. Let's, we're, we don't always do top five lists. Sometimes we jump into serious examinations of things that mean a lot. To the kind of people who listen to podcasts called Geek Top 5. And the latest of those was the show Hawkeye on Disney Plus. The latest thing in the Marvel MCU that, I mean, cinematic still works, but it's not just movies. It's also TV shows. Um, it aired over the Christmas holidays. Uh, well, from, it was what, November to December? Um, it was yeah. pretty great. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last year because it hadn't finished before uh, before we took some time off to rat- relax and nap and celebrate. Uh, but we're back, and it is time to deep dive into some of that. And uh, long-time listeners of the show will know that Graham and I, we do not do that alone.
2: Yeah,
1: we've
0: got our regular Marvel crew. I'm not going to
1: belabor the intros any longer than I need to. We have Sonali.
2: Hi, guys. Great to be and- back.
1: Yeah, thanks for returning. And we also have Mr. Jonathan Cashmore. What's (laughs) crack-a-lackin'? Not
0: that expression. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Our expert panel of Marvelists, which actually the Marvelous Marvelists aren't a half-bad team name, is that something that Kirby and Stanley really haven't already taken? We need to uh, check, because they've made a lot. I don't know. I'm going to trademark Marvel right marching now. Society.
2: I'm going to trademark yeah. it now. I'm going to create the Marvelists.
0: Yeah, let's get the domain before anybody else does. <laughs> All right, Hawkeye, six episodes, not five, which is a shame, because that would fit the milieu of our show so much better. Well, they released the first two episodes on the same day, so
1: it's practically five.
0: There you go. Five episodes. <laughs> uh, so that hits our quota of involving the number five in something. But a uh, lot to talk about. A lot happens. Uh, did we want to start with general impressions or do we want to go episode, like right into episode by episode?
1: I'd say we do episode by episode and do general thoughts at the end.
0: All right, then let's do it. I guess, Graham, I know you've usually got those episode descriptions right up there. A heads up for those of you at home. Yeah, we're spoiling Hawkeye. If you haven't figured that out already. Um, Yeah, last episode came out practically
1: a month ago. Where have you been? Come on, guys.
0: Exactly. Just if you're excited about the MCU stuff and you haven't watched Hawkeye yet, go watch Hawkeye before continuing. Let's move on. Episode one. Graham, (laughs) what are we looking at? All right. It's called never meet your heroes is directed by Reese Thomas and
1: written by Jonathan Igla. And, uh, it it opens with the uh, big battle of New York from the first Avengers film. Um, there's tension between, uh, young Kate Bishop's parents. Uh, she runs up to her room and, uh, the, the wall blows open. She's about to be killed by a Chitauri and she is rescued by Hawkeye at a great distance. He never really sees her, but, uh, a, a, lifelong obsession is born we flash forward she's doing uh, shenanigans with her bow and arrow and, and accidentally takes down a whole like church bell uh she is in trouble she goes home to her mom her dad is is sadly passed and, and her mom has had to raise her solo and now she's engaged to a dude, dude named jack duquesne and she's, uh, Kate's not happy about it, but she's at this party. She stumbles into a black market auction in the basement. Uh, Jack's uncle, Armand, is also there. And, uh, they're, they're bidding on, on Avengers weapons, stuff from a compound, uh, including artifacts of Ronin, Hawkeye's, uh, sad phase where he was like killing people and stuff during the blip. Uh, that gets interrupted by the tracksuit mafia, a bunch of Russian guys who wear tracksuits. Uh, they make off with stuff and uh, Duquesne steals the Ronin sword. Uh, Bishop disguises herself as Ronin and, and chases after the tracksuit mafia. She gets into a fight with them. She saves a, a one-eyed dog from being run over. Uh, and then she goes and uh, wants to check in on Armand, the, the nice old uncle man and finds that he's dead and uh, she runs away. She's chased by the mafia and uh, Hawkeye who is in the neighborhood. Cause he's uh, on vacation with his kids going to see the Rogers musical. He saves her in the nick of time. And that's the end of this episode.
0: A lot happens in terms of the plot, but what we get for the setup for this is that we get our first look at young Hawkeye, uh, Kate Bishop. Um, oh, good. Gosh darn it. Who is she played by? Why don't I have that in front of me? Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. <clears throat> there you go. Who's uh,
1: in just about everything these days. She's the voice of Spider-Gwen. She's uh, she's all over the place.
0: She's got she's- another TV show on Disney on uh, Apple TV. She's doing really well for herself. Uh, we meet her. She is a spoiled rich girl, but she's got like a, not necessarily a heart of gold, but she really wants, basically, she really wants to be an Avenger. That's the short version. We see her antics. We identify her character strengths and weaknesses pretty quickly. And through a series of hilarious misunderstandings, she gets involved in some stuff. Man, I don't want to uh, take the spotlight too much on me. That was our first touch of what this show and what it's going to be about. Uh, panel, what did you think? I was I was bummed uh, from the get go with the death of Armand
1: because I really liked the actor who played him, and and uh, when he got killed off so soon, I was I was disappointed. We weren't going to get more of him. I didn't even <laughs> recognize that actor. Where's he from? I know him as a guy from Four Weddings and a Funeral, and I haven't seen him that much outside of that. But he's he steals that movie from the very charming Hugh Grant, as far as I'm concerned. And so it was really nice seeing him again in this.
3: Well, he was kind of a ass in this one, <laughs> so I was okay with his death.
2: <laughs> and just to contrast, this was Armand the Third, because he has a grandson, I believe, who's also Armand.
0: Right, Armand the Seventh. <sighs> So. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of this, this show opened with a lot of like, high, like every, all the characters are high society. Um, difficult to identify with, you know, it, uh not the smoothest introduction to the audience, I think. Choices, choices were made. But yeah, like, a lot of like, here's what snobby wealthy people are like. But I think they're, they're.
1: All of them are shady and shifty. So I don't think it's, it's that big a deal as far as like the 99% or whatever. It's like they, none of these people are, are good. Uh, Eleanor, the mom is kind of mean to Kate, <laughs> not, not undeservedly in this episode. Um, and then Jack is shady and takes the, they they're they're in a black market auction for god's sake yeah, i was Get just going to say that
3: there's a black market auction downstairs <laughs>
0: yeah they're they're not heroes i just uh, i mean like foreshadowing what we're going to be talking about over the next few episodes it took me a little while to warm up to kate um as star of this show um I knew going in that it wasn't only going to be about Clint Barton, Hawkeye, but there were definitely several points until the last few episodes where I really wish it was more of him and less of her. I, I, I had a tough time getting to like her. I did by the end, but this I thought maybe, hmm, maybe it was a good start because it shows character development because she definitely grows, but at the start she's kind of annoying. She's just an e. She's an eager beaver trying to do trying to do the right thing
3: but obviously making you know a lot of mistakes (laughs) by you know putting on the ronin costume and trying to take out some uh people at the heist which you find out is the black or sorry the uh track tracksuit mafia which i really hated to at the first part to begin with i i hated the name of it i i and i'm like you guys like if
0: you guys are are a laughing stock in a mafia. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm with you on that. Like, I, I think they had tone problems with the tracksuit mafia throughout this all six episodes. Yeah, like I mean, you had Clint Barton
3: taking on aliens and Shatari and whatever, and now his big threat is. Well,
1: to be fair, when he was taking on the aliens, he had a Norse god and a man made of iron helping him out. It wasn't a solo fight. I mean,
0: it's-, it's actually a gold titanium thing. It's definitely- I mean, <laughs>
3: I, I mean, he did shoot the arrow to take Loki down to get the finally get pummeled by um, the Hulk. Like, he, he, he was
0: quite. Yeah, that was, was key
1: key point though. There was a Hulk.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: yes. Like- I've just said like to be like for sure. It, it does feel like a downgrade from world-threatening cosmic like evil to Russian gym bros. Yeah. Was rough, but more than that, it's like at like like in, in this episode especially they were a joke, and then later on there are characters that were supposed to take seriously, but these characters are a joke. I think that tone confusion hampered them all the way till the end until they introduced different threats. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Cash. I don't know about tracksuit mafia. Going into it, I sort of thought like like this. This series was marketed with a lighter tone than you know Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh yeah, right. so I thought okay maybe I'm supposed to laugh, but then there are points where you're not supposed to laugh at them, and it's like I I can't. These like these guys could be henchmen for Doctor Claw. It like yeah I don't know about these guys. <laughs> oh so before I watched the series, I reread the
1: whole um, sort of in- the the series that inspired it, the Hawkeye run by. Primarily Matt Fraction is the writer, but uh, David Aja is credited as as the the co-creator of a lot of this stuff and, and um, worked with him on a lot of the design, but there were a lot of other artists involved. Anyway, the the tracksuit mafia and that, they're, I, I don't know. They, it feels like they cherry picked bits and pieces of the comics for this and it, and then added a bunch of other stuff. And I think that's where some of the disconnect comes in, in the comic, the tracksuit mafia are a threat, but they're also comical, but they're like, they're like idiots, but they're dangerous idiots. And I think that that makes them more, I don't know. It was the, the tone fit better in the, the comic run in this where they're dangerous idiots, but they're also led by a super serious woman. And then the, trails and whatever, we just got too much of the background of those characters in in the t v series, I think, as opposed to them just being sort of the bad guys in in the comic
0: yeah we'll we'll talk about that more in episode three, I think, but it, yeah, I do think they had to pick one like either these were serious antagonists or they're not. they tried to have their cake and eat it too
1: i, I and feel it's like-, like either adapt the storyline or don't, and they did this weird thing where they just sort of take took
3: recognizable things from the series and completely changed them but if we back the truck up just a little bit i mean <gasps> what, what really set the tone was the musical
0: <laughs> yeah that's a good point the musical says this is going to be hilarious nonsense yeah but yeah but, but it isn't all hilarious it isn't all hilarious nonsense and, yeah, Graham, I think I'm stepping on your toes here. But yeah, because they also use it as a vehicle to show how like Hawkeye has this PTSD, kind of.
3: Yeah. And, and an earpiece.
1: <laughs> well, in the again, in the comics, there's a sort of sometimes acknowledged, sometimes not acknowledged history of Clint actually being deaf from, from a very young age. And then, you know, he's magically cured. And then in this Hawkeye run in the comics, he's deafened again. And so it's been depending on the error, an important part of the character and adds some representation for that community. And, uh, and I thought that was a nice touch and, and having it established as like, oh, it's not, he's not been deaf the whole time or hard of hearing the whole time. It, and we just forgot to mention it. It's something that's built up over the course of 20 movies. Yeah. Well, I
2: mean, yeah, I think, sorry, the, I think the, the whole idea with it was again, it, there was too much packed into the first episode and they couldn't really decide on what they wanted to go with. Like I really liked that intro where you see her be inspired by seeing Hawkeye. Um, He is uh, one of the two like human characters uh, on the Avengers team. So I liked them kind of humanizing him with the hearing loss story. Like I assume that's just coming from all the crazy stuff he's been involved with and, and affected by But yeah, they couldn't really like pick a thread like um, just from what the expectations were from the trailer to the, the first episode. Like I wasn't sure what they were really aiming for. Like I wanted, having not had a lot of like or at all, um, any of the exposure from comics. Um, I didn't know anything about Kate Bishop coming into it, and I did not like her characterization. Um, it's, this is supposed to be somebody who was inspired, who learned um, really skillful, discipline oriented um, abilities, but she doesn't convey any of that in her actions. Uh, she's mm-hmm. just kind of bumbling trying to be a better person. But generally, she just comes off as somebody who has everything because, uh, you know, her mom's been taking care of her. And she doesn't really have any understanding of life and consequences.
3: Which which they do kind of um, gloss over, too, when her mom was, like, when the whole building came down. By the way, the building was uh, stained t- uh, the stained Tower or the... St- um. yeah stain tower off of uh, obadiah stain which is oh. <laughs> so so it kind of showed that which kind of shows that like even though he was a disgrace in iron man they kind of you know maybe it wasn't I'm, directly him or maybe it was as we are something but as
1: we are well aware from real life no matter what your stains are a- a- in life or death if you put a- enough money in some things they'll put up statues for you and name things after you and they that won't necessarily change even after you uh
3: die fighting iron man yeah and i mean it kind of showed that throughout the entire episode like you know rich people get what they want Uh
2: (laughs) was that the theme like was that what we, well, like, well, I mean, well, is... what we were supposed to no, get, like the superhero, isn't what we
0: were supposed to get. Well, no, but...
2: but it was like the superhero isn't really anything. Like he's just trying to live his life and enjoy his family time now after the the blip's been reversed. Um, whereas everyone else is kind of like just living their highest life without really being aware of anything. Uh,
0: see, this is why I thought we should start with general impressions because the answer to that is in episode six. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean,
3: I, like the point I was getting at was um, the the mother, I forget Kate's mom, uh, but she, she straight up said, like uh, rich people and young people have zero um, – yeah, they right. think they're invincible. They and think they're you're invincible, not. and you're and you're you're both rich and young. So, but then the mother
0: yeah. turns out to be an incredibly unreliable narrator. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. I mean,
3: but she, and, she's like, saying do what I say, not what I do. It's one of those mothering. things.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, we got five more episodes to talk about. Let's yeah. try to drag it back. Um, I will say before we move on, I mean, I was really impressed with the opening credits in this episode. They yes. do her training montage, like, over the years while they're running the opening credits. I thought it was really clever and also really stylistically done. The um, the heavily influenced by the art of David Aja, although it's
1: not necessarily credited to him as he would have liked. But, yeah, it's his, his art style.
0: Fair um, and otherwise, you know, it it, it, it it felt this episode established weird stakes, um, but it but it got it rolling.
1: Okay, so episode two is called Hide and Seek, uh, directed by Rhys Thomas and written by Alisa Clement. Uh, Kate takes Clint back to her apartment, and they are followed there, and they start throwing uh, Molotov cocktails into the building, and things get set on fire, and the Ronin suit gets left behind they go to uh Kate's aunt's apartment and they hang out there. Barton sends his kids back home leaving uh, uh promising that he'll he'll catch up with them at Christmas day. Uh then he uh basically says that he's he needs to get the Ronin suit. His friend did bad stuff with it and he needs to get rid of it and he knows that now she's being targeted, he needs to fix all of these things. Turns out the suit was taken by a uh, a larper. Um so he's gonna have to go find some larpers and get it back. Kate goes home, uh, has dinner with her family, uh, is is suspicious of Jack uh, related to his uncle's death. They have a, a duel with their swords because they're both highly trained sword swordsmen, swordspeople, sworders, and uh, fencers. fencers. For, for fencers <laughs> oh and my fencing. lord! <laughs> uh, and he is uh, a very Skilled fencer, uh, which uh, she is trying to prove that he's like hiding details about himself. And uh, he's very impressive, but partly because he's based on the comic book character, the swordsman. Uh, Barton lets himself get captured by the tracksuit mafia and she goes to try and rescue him. Uh, Kate tries to go to rescue him and then she gets captured and the gang uh, lets their boss know. Who they've caught, and it turns out that their boss is Maya Lopez, a comic book character who is
0: named Echo and
1: who is deaf, and is usually paired with uh, Daredevil.
0: Okay, so I could whine about this episode for the entire podcast, but I'm going to narrow it down to the one thing that I really need. I really need to ask you folks because to me, there is like the thing with tracking down the Ronin suit is a colossal plot hole to me in this. And I can't figure out how it flew. So maybe I missed something, but my, like this episode starts where they, so the Ronin is back and it's on the news. Oh, the Ronin, this vigilante who killed all these people. It's on the news. Hawkeye saw it on the news and then later, this super high society guy who was in four weddings and a funeral is dead. And we saw the Ronin leaving his house. So there's a, this is a quote, a major NYPD under, investigation underway to find the Ronin. With all that attention, a firefighter removes the Ronin suit from an active crime scene, posts an Instagram of himself wearing it. And then the next day goes and takes it to a public LARP event, fully aware that the NYPD is looking for the person wearing this suit, that the mafia is looking for the person wearing the suit, that the person wearing the suit is suspected of B&E, of a fire and break-in at a high-society event, and a high-profile murder. And... <laughs> Hawkeye goes to get the suit back and instead of pointing all of that out to this guy, instead lets himself get challenged to participate in their LARP stuff. Yeah,
1: I I I didn't really love much of the LARP stuff, I'll be honest. I I I don't I don't remember. Is it clear? Does like does Grills know that it's the real suit? Or does he think it's just a I don't like, know, he clearly
2: costume. thought it was just an awesome costuming possibility.
0: But it's We'd- all over the news. A plot, hey man, a major I don't know plot you. I element.
2: Don't no one's um, looking at it closely, really. A major
0: plot element of the show. The reason Kate Bishop is in trouble is because everyone, because the mafia has connected her to the Ronin suit. And the Ronin suit is connected to fighting the mafia at the black market auction and killing Armand. This add- is the hot ticket news thing. That's why, that's why there's a Hawkeye series, because everybody knows about this, so she's gotten herself involved <laughs> in <laughs> To
3: add salt to that wound there, Jess, um, uh, Grills has NYPD friends. Right, the, yes, the- and yeah, he's
0: not just a guy, he's a civil servant, <laughs> or like a first responder. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I sat think- this entire episode like it, it broke it for me because <laughs> I, the entire thing was going on. I was like, no, like in my head, I couldn't get into the episode because in my head, I was like, none of this makes sense. None of these motivations make sense. None of these characters, none of these people are doing the things that they would do in this situation. I think I think
3: it was all just to introduce Grills as a like little Easter egg because I know in the comics, Grills was Clint Barton's uh, best friend.
1: Well he's not his best friend. And he's also completely friend. different. That was a thing that irritated me. This oh really? Probably <laughs> Jesse didn't really <laughs> didn't really do you know, it it just felt like comic book nonsense to me. But the fact that they called this guy Grills, whereas the grills in the comic is a middle-aged white guy who just grills on the roof of the apartment building that's the central MacGuffin of the, the comic book series. He's nothing like this guy. That's so funny. <laughs> it's so like, why use the name? Why use the name? Fair. Drove me crazy. Well, because That he's
0: not- is another thing I had to compl- – like I said, I tried to narrow it down to the most important thing to whine about because <laughs> we don't have a lot of time.
1: And I just did. Yeah. That was the thing.
0: That was you the know. most important thing for me
1: to whine about. <laughs> yeah.
3: In the comics did uh, the Swordsman um, or Jack or whatever. They, uh, I thought I read something about him. He trained Clint in a lot of – like I guess in a yeah. History. I believe he trained him in like marksmanship and stuff like that. Like he really helped him hone his skill. I believe when they finally did an
1: origin of Hawkeye, uh, he ran away to the circus and was trained by this guy. And they both started off as criminals and both ended up as Avengers. Although Swordsman was always more gray than yeah, he uh, goes back and forth. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he's been dead for a long time, a lot longer than he was alive in the comics.
0: Which is, again, then why use the character? Like, if it has nothing yeah, to do yeah, yeah,
1: true. He, It's like, why bother including him at all? He doesn't train Hawkeye. He doesn't train either Hawkeye, frankly. And he's just there as, like, a um, red herring that, that we'll get to later.
2: The most obvious red herring that clearly it was like, okay, like, this is too much.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm frankly. not buying it. Man. Ah, oh, that was... Again, I, I will zoom out and I'll say by the end, I really liked this series. But yeah, this episode in particular... I was just like, who, who wrote this? Like, Who greenlit this? This doesn't work. I, this I would... one bugged me. <laughs> yeah, the first two
3: episodes, I was like, I'm going to keep giving it a chance because I like Marvel and I know I, I trust them. I'm going to trust them. But they really stretched that out like two episodes in and I'm like. <sighs> I also
1: really didn't like the I know, again, nitpicky, but I didn't like how much access the security company had to everything like the, the security company that Kate's mom runs. And then Kate just like uses it to track Hawkeye in it. It's like, how, how powerful is this company? And like, how
0: easy is it for it to be used? It's about as powerful as Facebook, right? Like
3: (laughs) (laughs) is, is the Bishop uh, name big in the comics?
0: Well,
1: only in relation to her, her, in the comics, her father is, it's her father who's more of the problem, as at least in the, you know, I haven't followed that character as closely as some others, and she's a lot newer, but, uh, her father was a sort of super villain adjacent, uh, by the end of the run that sort
0: of inspired the series. But, but no, they're not like, like, they're not like, like Team Luther or anything. And that's, the su- you know? or, or
3: super powered, um, uh, security, tech people
0: yeah team luther <laughs> <laughs> they're just rich yeah they're just, they're just, they're just rich yeah. okay which i mean which again is sort of a one percent thing like if you're a rich yeah. tech guy it seems like people you know that like, like privacy violation is a big thing uh and i i wouldn't doubt that somewhere somebody working for zuckerberg can just call up somebody's phone who has a facebook app installed that wouldn't be unbelievable he's That's listening, fair
3: jesse
2: <laughs> is being rich like a superpower here like is that one of the themes because
3: well,
1: it I
2: works mean,
3: for batman it
1: works,
0: works for, for iron P-
3: man it worked for iron man works for uh hank pym it works for this
0: hot guy apparently it- yeah yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> so yes anyway, we, we do have to keep yes. rolling
0: <laughs> but uh yeah i think we we're all agreeing this one was not strong way too much focus on the LARPers for no reason. The writers really struggled to find a reason for the, these characters to be together. Uh, there was nothing interesting for, like, for the audience to buy into this. This one was rough. Uh Okay. So episode
1: three echoes directed by Burton birdie and written by Katie Matthewson and Tanner bean. Um, so Maya Lopez echo the, 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 uh, deaf, daredevil equivalent, shows up and uh, starts interrogating them with her right-hand man, Kazi. Uh, they, it turns, She is really interested in getting her hands on Ronan because Ronan killed her dad many years prior, but no one knows who, who Ronan is. Um, Clint frees them, they go on, a they, they steal a car and, and drive away, and they, they have a cool chase scene involving a bunch of trick arrows. Um, Hawkeye's, or Clint's, Hearing aid gets messed up, so they got to go get it fixed. Uh, they have some pizza with the dog, who is affectionately named Pizza Dog. Um, they, uh, Maya is warned that her uncle might be not so happy with what they're doing. So we know that there's some sort of higher power involved in this that we'll get to and later. Discount
0: Jon Snow tries very hard to put, like, verbal air quotes around uncle. I think there's a full second pause before and after the word. <laughs> Uh, so they go to
1: check out the uh, Bishop family database the, for the security company, um, and then uh, they so they break into her mom's house, and uh, Duquesne the swordsman uh, uh, finds them and use has Ronan's sword and and uh, stops them. That's where the, the cliffhanger of this episode: uh, sword to the throat of Clint from the swordsman.
3: I enjoyed this episode to be it was it was I think right when it started to really take off. You really start to see the connection between Clint and uh Kate. Um there's a little bit of mentoring there, some cool fun little trick arrows. Um you really start to see the foreshadowing for Echo. Um like cause I know I'm not going to I won't get too much into it cuz we're going to do it later on in the episodes. Um but even in the flashback, like her uncle, like you know, just holding her cheek or ever ever so gently, um, there was a little bit of a foreshadow of who that might be. Um, also, obviously, someone who's powerful. Um, and I just like the the back and forth between how Kate's trying to get the approval of her her true hero. Yeah, I just I really enjoyed the character development through this episode. It was it was this is where I think it really started to take off. Like it it laid some nice groundwork. Um, It showed some recognition between Echo and Clint, uh, just due to like you know similar hearing issues. And she's saying that the technology is like you know holding you back, which she's clearly much more adjusted. Um, Yeah. I just, I really like this episode. It was a really good way to start off the true adventure. Everything else was, you know, all right.
2: <laughs> I had to think about jumping into the rest of the series after this. I liked the Maya Lopa stuff. I thought that was interesting. I felt like it was almost another show that they were kind of colliding with this one.
3: It definitely um, took an, a, a a different direction like a de- not different direction but like it felt different it, it t- yeah it definitely like it was another it
2: different toned item right like another different toned theme and and the, you know story um but there were no connections to anything so on its own like the the background for Maya Lopez, i thought that was interesting but again i didn't have any investment because with the, with the first two episodes it was just kind of all over the place so i i took Maya Lopez's story and and um felt that and definitely enjoyed it but then again the the rest of the the episode for me was also um you know more of the same kind of confusing they tried to have like these comedic breaks like the kate bishop's talking to the the guy in the tracksuit mafia, and they're like joking and it's like it doesn't really work because she's like getting almost murdered just before so
3: Giving relationship advice is that that, that the yeah, you're yeah
0: about? that because he buys the, the, the tickets for <laughs> Rune 5. Yeah, that was oh, or it was a match and dragons at that point, I mean, right? That's, that's that's the least important part of this. I don't know why I bothered <laughs> to correct you on that.
1: <laughs> I, I enjoyed that bit of business. It's like, it, I again, it may be struggling to find a tone, but it's the sort of vibe you would expect from a pulp fiction or a pulp fiction. Copycat you know with
3: the the pop culture spouting henchmen, and that that I didn't mind it um it does yeah well it does seem a little separate, but like you can you can really see like the tone of who's pushing for this Ronin like to look for Ronin like echo it's it's all echo like even her henchmen are just following orders they don't really want to do it they don't they they probably been doing it for a while and they clearly just saying yes boss not you know like i mean i guess that's a good henchman but at the same time um we see other iterations that they believe in their leader kind of thing where this one they're just like okay i guess we'll go like they didn't want to fight kate they didn't want to take her out so you can see some conflict in there already starting to brew which was kind of cool
0: Yeah, I think I'm sort of halfway between you guys on that one. I mean, it's, I mean, I'll tell you when it started with like, here's the backstory of young Maya Lopez. I was definitely on my phone. Um, (laughs) I just, like, I was already upset from the last episode. And then they're like, and now here's a totally different. Like, It was so transparently a backdoor pilot for her show. And it was like, I barely care about the show I'm watching. And you're trying to sell me another one. Like, I was tuned out. And then we got that, like, that's what I was talking about when we were talking about episode one, like, the tone conflict. Like, Echo is it, super serious business. Her dad was killed. She's on a quest for revenge. And this is a brutal tale about the consequences of violence. And then her fucking henchmen <laughs> with the yo, bro, I got the concert tickets, but she's still mad at me. It's like, I couldn't, like, I can't, I can't take the serious part serious if you have the stupid parts there, too. I would be really interested in hearing you, uh, like, in uh,
1: having you read the the comics that this is sort of loosely based on and seeing how you f- find the tone in
0: that. But sorry, yeah, go on. M- maybe I'll, maybe I will. I mean, if uh, once this bloody, you know, once I'm allowed to visit people again, if you've got them, I might read them. <laughs> um, all that, so it started real bad for me. But then we got to the stuff that you were talking about, Cash, like the Clinton Kate stuff, like the car chase, the which car wasn't chains- even really a car chase like that was the kind of shenanigans i was looking for from the episode one
1: mm-hmm. yeah i was I, looking
0: for like he can't hear her they're having hilarious back and forths the wrong arrows are going off in crazy directions that's what i was looking for in this light-hearted christmas avengers thing they pitched me that car chase thing was like the the
1: high point of the series for me. That was so well done and such a cool thing and it's so much camera. fun. It's so yeah.
0: exciting. It's like it's just goofy and they they managed to do it in a way like there's no tension in that car chase, but there's just like I wouldn't like that tone, I wouldn't have been surprised to see like John Candy in, in that car, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I liked that. That's what I wanted. And we got more of that as it went on. So that stuff, like you were saying, Cash, like this is where it was starting to roll. That, like that, that's what I wanted. And we get more and more of that from here on out. It just took them forever to get to it. I love the
3: groundwork where she's like, your arrows are not even labeled. And he's like, don't touch that one. That's a, that's a very dangerous one. And she's like, what? What's more dangerous than, like, I love the banter back and forth. She's like, she's really trying to learn and really trying to help out. And he's just like, I have my way and you can have to learn it or we're hefted. <laughs> you know? But, um, yeah, I, the, the I also like the, the touching moment when he, um, when she had to like tell Clint what his kids were saying, because it was like, he was at this point, like, it really showed him he, like really humanized him.
0: Right. Nate calls on the phone and Clint can't hear because his, uh, his hearing this aid is hearing busted. Aid. And she oh, yeah. And I really she's just helping them out. Yeah. That, that humanizing that's going on. That was a really powerful moment.
3: Yeah. It was a really, it, I, I loved that moment. It really showed like, um, the connection even though they don't really know each other at this point the connection that they already have like she's just so willing to help and he he had to be vulnerable to her um because he had zero choice and and he like it just worked out in the favor like it was just a really nice moment it was tiny but nice okay well why don't we jump ahead to the next episode
1: episode four partners am i right uh, directed by Burton Birdie, written by Aaron Cancino and Heather Quinn. Uh, so we left off with, uh, the, the Hawkeyes getting discovered in, in the, uh, house or apartment or whatever of Duquesne and Eleanor, uh, Kate's the mom. Stanley Penthouse. Yeah. Uh, they, it's, it's quickly diffused as he's recognized as an Avenger. Um, he, they they say that, you know, Kate's helping him with a thing. Eleanor begs him not to let her get involved with his shenanigans. Uh, Clint contacts his wife, Laura, played by the delightful Linda Cardellini, who's been a sort of recurring presence in the movies since uh, Age of Ultron, I believe. Yeah. Um, yes. They get the Ronin sword back. Uh, thanks in part to, to her help over the phone, like long distance help. And she she clearly is. Not just like a cool wife who's cool with all his uh his shenanigans, but also has some like spy skills that she she is using, so there's more to to Mrs. Barton than uh we first thought the the our two hawkeyes split up they one of them is gonna go find the, the hawkeyes trick arrows that the larpers have or or have access to, and uh Clint is gonna go find Kazi to figure out what's going on with Maya and talk her out of going after Ronan. Um, they, uh, some watch that the tracksuit mafia stole is sending out s- tracking signals. So uh, Clint goes and tracks it down. They it's in an apartment that turns out to be Echo's apartment, Maya Lopez's apartment, and a big fight happens an attack happens and a masked assassin gets involved too, who is revealed at the end of the fight that it, she is uh, the, the new black widow or the, Second Black Widow, Yelena Belova, the sister of uh, our our Natasha Romanoff, Clint's best friend, who tragically died. And uh, then at the end of the episode, Clint is like, this is way too dangerous for you. Kate, you're off the team. And that's how the episode ends.
2: So I got interested here. I'm glad I continued because I think it eventually in this one, it kind of started to find its place. Um, what it wanted to do and what it wanted to be. But the biggest change, I think, was the introduction of Yelena. Because even in just her small little fight scene, like the fight scene, I I really enjoyed that fight scene. I think they did the humor to it and the action. Like, they balanced it out perfectly. And then her reveal um, was, it was funny and it was also... um, very poignant because we're not really sure what's going on we've got a uh two and two fighting and we don't know who the enemy is and what what the uh the main reason is but she's there and i think having watched black widow um elena i think came on top as someone that i was more interested in as well um so just to have her be involved with this i think made me feel a little bit more secure in the show (laughs)
3: I honestly thought at this point, because I, I, I was expecting her to show up, um, because at the end of Black Widow, Valentina straight out said that Clint killed um, Natasha. So I was kind of expecting it anyway, but it was a very cool reveal. And um, I also liked, I my favorite part, like all the other stuff, what you said, Sonali, was great obviously the height of that show but or that episode but um i really enjoyed finding out that laura had was more than just clint's wife yeah like that really intrigued me i'm like ooh, how does she know all this stuff because she brought like she she know she put out some serious uh feelers out for some top secret information so that doesn't come easily in especially in this world i I had kind of mixed feelings about that i I like the idea of
1: her just being a normie but she i I also really like the actress linda carterlini and if they want to give her
0: more to do all the more power to them i mean i do think they need to work hard um they're they're doing fine but they could be doing better at more active more powerful female characters and this show had a lot of that uh, so if they're going to do it anywhere, it was here, and I'm I'm all for it. <sighs> Maybe even if they wanted to make her like keep her, what, what's the polite word for Normic A mundane, a non-powered, but at least give her more to do than call Hawkeye. Oh, honey, I hope you can make it home for Christmas. Yeah, like what a that's the like, feel you got for the first couple episodes. So
1: I didn't get that feel. I got the, like she seemed. Like she was, she understood, and she's like, "You gotta do what you gotta do. You're a superhero," and she was very understanding. And I, I you know, it's better. Well, it her to White. be more than
0: like just a, a, that's such a backseat position for a character. Like, yeah, like if that's all she did, she didn't need to be in the show. It wouldn't change anything. <laughs> that's fair.
3: Like it showed that she, like even in Age of Ultron, it shows that she really grounds Clint, right? Like she, she's like, "They need you," you know. And in, in Age of Ultron, she's like, "They need you." Like you you hold these people together. These guys are a wreck and and then she's like, If you have to go out, just make sure you're coming back. Like she like you said, very understanding, but this little like tidbit of she has some power was was cool. I really enjoyed that. I was like, So how did they mate? Who is she? What is her backstory? You know, like maybe she was like Clint at one point. Yeah,
0: and- And spoiler alert, that doesn't get entirely resolved in this one, Um, although we will find out a little bit more. But yeah, I I liked them dangling that out.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Can I ask, this this might just be me complaining or it might just be something I missed, I'm not sure. In this episode, he has to get grills again and they get together with the other LARPers and he sends them to go get his trick arrows. And I didn't follow, why didn't he have his trick arrows? And- were, why were the LARPers gonna get them? Um because they were detained. I, I'm
3: gonna assume a lot of Avengers stuff uh got um obtained after Thanos, you know, destroyed the building. Uh and then So why would New York City Because I think it wasn't locked up. It was Iron Man so is dead and he to... doesn't have Iron Man's dead. So I think, a lot of I think stuff always... got scattered. Yeah, I think Sonali's right. Like, Go go ahead,
1: Sonali. Uh,
2: no, so I was just saying, I think the explanation was that it, they got um, uh, seized by the the uh, police department. So the whole idea with the LARP was like, one of them is a cop. So I think he asked her to kind of do something illegal and retrieve them for him because uh, he needed them. Uh,
0: okay. I mean, I, I don't know that just like a street cop would have access to the secret <laughs> Avengers super weapon lockup, but
2: no they were literally um, like i think because of the black market heist like everything got um taken in so it may be the there the implication being that not everybody knew what was what there was but, like what was in there um it, in the stash
1: it felt like there were a lot of fetch quests just to sort of drag the the runtime out a little bit in in places here and there and to give characters something to do i i agree like i i understand that there, you can you can hand wave a lot of stuff. You could have, they could have written a lot of reasons for it, but ultimately it was just to give them something to do and to have uh, Clint have time alone to go talk with Kazi. You know, it's all, it's all plot motivated and it doesn't actually
0: Kazi was that much. Th- that, that, that was no name brand Kit Harrington, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. The,
1: <laughs> also a completely different character in the comic run that this
0: is based on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I'll I'll accept that. I guess that seemed weird to me. I, it, it would be like I don't know. It 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 was sort of like asking a traffic cop to go get Mjolnir. It's like it's just. I mean, do me a favor. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's they just, you know, it's just, you know, it's on the chief's desk back at the (laughs) office. I'll go grab it.
1: If they're just arrows, if you just see them as like arrows from a bone arrow set and you're like, all right, just put them in our evidence locker. This was a crime scene, you know?
0: Hawkeye's arrows, we've seen them like blow things up and we've seen that. All All of New York, all of Marvel, New York, (laughs) the whole, like, Ah,
1: anyway yeah yeah, everyone's buying hawkeye dinner i guess you're right everyone knows that those arrows are special
0: anyway uh, um okay yeah episode four i can
2: feel you breaking
0: (laughs) (laughs) let's move on to
1: episode five ronin directed by Burton birdie uh written by jenna noel fraser uh so we start with a flashback uh that takes place right after the end of the black widow movie um Yelena and uh, a black widow buddy are going around deprogramming other black widows, A fight ensues and uh Yelena goes to a washroom to to wash up uh, after it's over and uh when she like blinks and suddenly the wallpaper in the washroom's different 5 years have pl- passed she got blipped uh she go uh, the meanwhile in the present the uh bishops are, are and and sorry Kate and Clint are figuring out what's going on with the with the mom and the and the swordsman uh they they Eleanor has called the NYPD to have uh the swordsman arrested because uh, apparently he's been doing shady stuff with her her company uh involved and involved with the tracksuit mafia Kate returns to her apartment and has a lovely conversation with Elena that is somewhat uh threatening and somewhat delightful about macaroni and cheese she tells her that she's just there to kill Clint Barton um Barton uh gets into the ronin suit and confronts Maya Lopez Echo they fight and he tries to convince her that uh he he was it's not going to happen again he he beat her he's like I didn't uh, your your dad was a bad guy I was just doing whatever and don't go after anyone else if you want to fight someone fight me but if you go after my family I will I will kill you uh he also says that um that he got an insider had told him where to find her father and and how to kill him. And so she becomes suspicious of Kazi and suspicious of her uncle. And at at the end of the episode, Yelena texts Kate to let her know that Eleanor was the one who hired her to kill Clint. And that, uh, and they figure out that Eleanor is working for the Kingpin, which is the big reveal of the episode. Probably the big reveal of the series that the Kingpin from the Daredevil TV series is part of the MCU. Now
0: rightfully so. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was pretty good. He was really I, um, good. Man, there's there was a lot to like in this episode, but I just want to head off with I loved, 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 loved the blip effect that yes. they did with Yelena. Absolutely. Was what it looks like from her perspective when she's in the bathroom and it like it dusts apart and comes back together and the wallpaper is a different color and stuff. Like that was so cool. It was such a cool special effect and such a cool way to communicate what it was like for somebody who has been blipped. Like, we sort of get like the, the panic of that from what's her name from WandaVision? Uh, Monica Rambeau. But she just reappears and it's, oh no, what happened? Like, this was like a POV of it and that was... That sticks out in my head of this, like, all the cool stuff that happened in this show, that one I think was one of the
3: coolest things they did. I really enjoy how they um, time and time, like a couple of times now, they've shown from just an average person, not an average person. Obviously, Yelena and Rambo are not average, but they're not Avengers and they didn't really know what was happening. It was just unknowingly, you just disappear and you come back. Like I loved, like you said, Jess, the how they just depict it from a different point of view. And I hope they do that a couple more times. Uh, to be honest, with other, I guess I'm going to say lower level characters at this point, but um, yeah, absolutely amazing scene. Yeah, great stuff. I, I enjoyed the conversation with Elena and,
1: and Kate, and Elena being like, "Hey, I don't want to kill you, but I have to kill Clint. So maybe
0: just go away, or I will kill you." Yeah, let's not, let's not skip over that. Like this episode and the next one. Like, like those they have great chemistry. Yeah, they, I, I'm not they sure if it's the adventure. writing or just the actresses or both. But like Kate and Kate and Clint are fine, but Kate and Yelena are a blast every second they're on screen together. They even say it. Like, I mean, Kate's
3: like, "I just stop making me like you." <laughs> like they're supposed <laughs> to be enemies. They wrap off each other so beautifully. Um, I I would just go. Out, I would just I would watch a show of their adventures and I'm sure that's coming. Oh, I'm so am I. <laughs> so one of the
1: things that bugged me about this, and and it was uh, sort of exacerbated in the next episode. I don't understand why they had to connect. Elena to Eleanor like why would Elena need to be hired to fight or to kill Clint it just didn't it was adding something to the plot that I didn't think was necessary and complicated so many motivations like I think it was enough for her just to be mad at Clint for uh, Natasha being dead like that to me is enough motivation for her to want
2: to kill Clint agreed and And I think again it was that introduction to Kingpin like trying to bring another element into the, the story like I feel that Hawkeye against kind of pushed aside because I was again more interested in Elena and her story, and then the the Kate connection for sure they had a better camaraderie as well um, and connection that I wanted to watch, um, and then just trying to kind of show the the bigger villain, uh, the actual villain I guess of the series. Um, But having no real way to incorporate it in the story, they had to kind of, I feel like they had to use the, oh, yeah, I I was hired by your mother, who's actually working for the Kingpin, don, 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 like, it was... Yeah, yeah, because
0: otherwise, would Kate really care that her mom's working for the Kingpin? Probably, he's a crime boss.
2: Would she know though, right? Like she, her entire character, even throughout like her kind of working with Hawkeye, a lot of it is just sort of um, clueless wonder. She doesn't <sighs> actually connect with anything that's happening. Her her entire life is sort of just, you know what? I, I got into um, doing all these cool things, but I, I want to help people and she bumbles through it, but she doesn't actually end up doing any of that.
3: I also think, I I, was, I actually think it was more of, like, it didn't need to happen, but I feel like it was more for Kate and her character development. Because throughout the this episode, too, Clint was trying to show her, and the previous one, Clint was trying to show her that, like, being a hero has so many sacrifices. And you normally, you will walk alone for a lot of them. And... I think it was literally just the buildup for her to make the right decision of, like, you know how, like, every hero has to, like, give up something or, or someone or lose something or whatever to to grow and move forward and, and whatever. Well, this was her mom. Her mom was holding her back. Her mom was, like, the bad person, and she had to separate herself to continue to grow to become the hero that she is going to be. That's what I got from it.
2: But it also happens in like episode five, right? Like that should have maybe been thematically started in in one, you know, from her um her inspiration of watching Hawkeye um, during the battle uh, of New York to you know coming into to that state of what do i like understanding that she'd have to sacrifice she's never had to do that before right well that's that's
3: what i'm that's what i'm trying to get at like she's she wants to walk the walk of the hero and stuff like that and then she finds out that her mom is not a nice person and needs to go to jail so she's stepping up and sending her like telling her mom no you're wrong and you're going to jail even though I mean like her mom was all she had so she looked up to this person she loves this person right she has complete respect for this person and then finds out she's not who she was and she needs to do the right thing and that was I think that was the stepping stone of her really really taking on a mantle of a true hero
2: Yeah I I never got that sense though that like for me for me right. even in this one like I never got that impact from Kate kind of getting that connection and implication of, oh, you know, I, this is my mother who's bad, and, like, she never reacts to it.
0: Yeah, it, 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 like, it's, I think it's because it's supposed to be a big twist. Um, and part of the problem is that, as MCU enthusiasts, we're pretty well trained to look for red herrings. Yeah. So, like, Sonali, I think you were saying by the end of the second episode, oh, the mom's definitely the bad guy. Uh, yeah. Not because the show had seeded anything about the mom being the bad. Well, the conversation in episode. No, they do have the conversation in episode one, which makes sense in retrospect. But you think Armand is definitely involved, the bad guy, not her. But we're trained to look at that and go, oh, no, that's a that's a deception. Mm-hmm. So the whole show, like it's like long suffering mother putting up with spoiled sort of semi ingenue Kate who clearly doesn't give a crap about like, like you know, she's not concerned about where the money has come from. Like she, she destroyed that clock tower and was just like, Oh, whoops. Well, you know, I was on a dare. Ha, ha Oh, well, mm-hmm. like she, like, she has no sign of that maturity until late.
2: Yeah. And the implication that like, she's her father's daughter, right? Like Eleanor has been trying to protect her in the same vein, but, like they never got into that. Like in the from the first episode to to this one, like there isn't really any um, depth of uh, um, ties or bonds to to her father with that.
0: Yeah. So to pull it back to your point, Graham, I think it's that if she doesn't hire Elena, then she hasn't really done anything from Kate's perspective to drive a wedge between them. Yeah, she yeah she she works for Kingpin. She does some finance crimes like what one percenter doesn't. Like <laughs> it, you know that, that that's they, like you know Kate just destroyed that Heritage Tower and eh, whatever you know I eh, would just pay to replace it. Like there's nothing yeah, there. She to never got that. any
2: consequences for that.
0: Yeah, by making Eleanor directly responsible for this threat to, like to Kate's idol's life, it sets them against each other in a way but that I don't, you know, I don't just even understand. Wouldn't. I
1: don't even understand why she does that. Like, why
0: does she put a hit on Clint? Because he's involved... Well, because he's investigating the Sloan Limited stuff, because she's been funding the Tracksuit Mafia. Right. Either, either to protect her interests and to protect Kate, who she very much doesn't want him getting her involved in this superhero thing for a few different reasons <laughs> on a few different levels. Mm-hmm. And... like. Even I think it's a little unclear, but even if she doesn't come to that decision herself, Kingpin definitely would. I just I found towards the end here uh, there were so many competing
1: motivations and so many characters with with different things that they wanted to accomplish. I was getting confused as to like why anyone was doing anything.
2: Agreed. Totally agreed.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. There are a lot of moving pieces that didn't need to be there. I could lose Echo and Kazi. Um, I could lose Jack. Yeah. Uh, the swordsman, I guess. Like all of that could be cut away. All of the still LARPers. Leave, it's like still leave prime meat. Like there, there is enough plot there between Kate and Clinton and, and her mom and Yelena. Like that, that's all good. But the, yeah, a lot of window dressing for sure. But in this case, I do think that like something needed, like something personal had to happen between Kate and Eleanor. Yeah. And I, I think just, that's why it happened.
1: The, and, and maybe if that had been more of a focus, it wouldn't have, I I, I don't know. Maybe this is just me covering my own uh, uh, slowness, but maybe if there had been more of a focus on the mother's motivations, the the whole like hiring a hit on or getting it, putting a hit out on on Clint would have, been clearer to me
0: yeah i know i can definitely see it could have been smoother both like the like both that and the reveal like the reveal again quote of her and the reveal of kingpin in general like that's a lot to reveal at once yeah and it's complicated it could have been handled smoother if they didn't have all this extra stuff on the plate okay let's do episode six let's finish this off uh so this is christmas directed
1: by reese thomas uh, written by jonathan eigel or Igla and uh, Elisa Clement, uh, Eleanor, th- there's a recording that they see, uh, Clint and, um, and Kate of Eleanor trying to break off her partnership with Kingpin. He's not happy about that. Uh, they figure out that Eleanor flamed, um, Duquesne for the murder of Armand. Uh, it's Christmas Eve and there's going to be a big party and they're going to confront Eleanor at the party and they've brought in the LARPers to help, uh, Kazi is there and he has been hired by Kingbin or told by Kingbin to assassinate Eleanor but he's trying to target Clint instead Clint and uh, the larpers they all evacuate the the party as this assassination attempt happens um, Maya kills Kazi and is like you are the one who betrayed my father Um Kate goes looking for Eleanor and they they uh, have a confrontation while that's happening Clint and Yelena have a big fight and they talk about Natasha and they they have a real like uh, breakthrough emotionally and they hug and come to terms and uh Black Widow bails on her commitment to kill him which also seemed weird but we'll get into that um th- as that's happening uh, Eleanor and Kate are trying to escape the party and Kingpin showing a, a ridiculous degree of superhuman strength, rips the door off a car and is trying to kill Eleanor. And, and uh, Kate uses her trick arrows to to fight him off. And, and there's a big fight in a toy store. Um, she gets knocked out and Kingpin manages to escape. He confronts Uh, or Echo confronts him. Maya uh, confronts him. Uh, the, The camera pans out. We don't see what happens, but there's a gunshot. One of them seems, must have been shot, but we don't know who. Uh... Clint takes Kate with him back to his home. Uh, She's now part of the family, I guess, and uh, lucky the pizza dog is there. They all have a Merry Christmas together. It turns out the watch that Clint was looking for this whole thing was actually his wife Laura's watch, and it had a special shield symbol on the back with the number 19 on it. And Kate and Clint burn the Ronin suit, putting an end to all the shenanigans that started the series off.
0: So before we break this down, do you just wanna give us the rundown on a Shield Agent nineteen and everything that and Bobby Morris and all that stuff, just so we can get that what? out of the way of what that might mean?
1: Okay, so it's it's complicated. Um the Hawkeye has a uh... The simple version is there's a, a another superhero character named Mockingbird who is uh, similar to, to Clint, doesn't really have any powers and is just a really cool S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who has a fun costume and they get married and have fun and then later get divorced. But they don't have any kids in the comics and her name is Bobby Morse. This She's not Laura. She doesn't look anything like, like uh, Linda Cardellini. There was a Mockingbird character in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series. So now there's a question of like, what is Canon and was what isn't if you're following all this stuff. But the implication here at least is that she was a shield agent who had some sort of well, who ended up in a relationship with Hawkeye, and they got married. And she seems to have left the service and, and is living a quiet life, maybe under a fake name of Laura. Maybe her real name is Bobby
0: Morris, but we don't we don't have that information yet. Yeah. Maybe she's Mockingbird, but they didn't keep the, the real person's name. We don't know. And having yeah.
2: watched uh, Agents of Shield, like I don't think Agent Nineteen really comes up. Like Bobby Morris is sort of her own character in the show. Um, not uh, again, not knowing sort of her background, like they did kind of have that her with another agent thing but it was definitely not clint so um i think that might be a its own thing
3: i haven't watched agents of
0: shield is it canon to the mcu
2: i don't believe it is
0: yeah see everyone assumed no until this and now there's like a weird
3: well sorta... i mean we watched loki so i mean it could easily just be another Another timeline multiverse thing. Yeah,
0: that's their free out for everything now, right? Like, yeah. Everything is canon. It just everything. takes place in another universe. It's the same thing Rick and Morty does. Yeah, I mean. Frankly,
1: I think this solidifies more that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't canon. It seems like the Netflix stuff is canon, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and maybe Peggy Carter aren't. Mm-hmm. That, that's what this would tell me because why else have this Agent 19 uh, Mockingbird tease unless you're going to ignore the Agent 19 or the Mockingbird stuff from that TV series. Anyway, we're getting in the weeds here of the wrong detail,
0: I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but terms- it's so yeah. important
2: yeah. to get it right. <laughs>
0: In terms of the episode, uh, I was pretty excited about almost everything that happened in this episode. Uh like more you know, more Yelena Kate, like versus each other action. That was fun to watch and also hilarious. Uh I thought the confrontation between Yelena and Clint was pretty emotional. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm and I'm okay with what was communicated. The whole it, it just turns out she's she's really mad because she has displaced anger because she misses misses Natasha and at the end of the day so does Clint and they can bond a little over that.
1: My problem with that though is like that that would have been a fine resolution to it if this fight with Clint had been personal. The fact that she's a like a hitman who's been hired to kill him by Eleanor it seems I don't know sloppy that she's just like okay well I'm not mad at him anymore so I'm not going to kill him. What, what kind of assassin is that?
2: I mean i nah. I kind of got from it that she was doing it because she wanted to do it anyway. The contract was just a bonus,
0: yeah. The contract was just circumstance and setup. We see at the end of Black Widow, like she has no love for Elaine. like she's she's real she finds her really irritating and and Elaine is very clear about like, oh, hey, no, here's a good reason for you to listen to me for once. It's because the target this time. Is Hawkeye? Just to be clear, by Elaine you mean Julia
1: Louis-Dreyfus or Valentina, the, the <laughs> character. <laughs> yes, I was
2: wondering who you were. who was like, who's Elaine?
0: <laughs> I I cannot see that. Like, she, I mean, she's very typecast as Elaine in my Unfortunately, eyes. Unfortunately, yeah, she. Yeah,
3: Marvel is just gonna rename her. We'll see. Valentina's uh, not right.
0: <laughs> no, I think. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot to learn about what the hell is going on with Yelena, but I'm betting she's not, you know, a routine like back at it assassin. I think that was just a like you know coincidence and happenstance. Um, what her deal, her uh, Valentina deal is, is clearly going to be part of a bigger MCU setup because she's collecting these alternate versions of these characters, right? She's got like her own sort of black widow. Now she's got her own, she's got us agent now. And yeah, is she working gonna for be... Kingpin? That doesn't make any sense. So
1: no, I think it's, they're going to essentially be dark Avengers, the, the evil cap, evil black widow. And we're going to have the young Avengers with, uh, the Kate as Hawkeye and Patriot from the, uh, Falcon and the winter soldier series. And we're going to have, um, Bobby and no wait Billy and Tommy the the vision and scarlet witch's kids it's all leading up to young avengers versus dark avengers is my
0: thinking uh the, yeah but but, but I, I I'm okay with that I'm okay with how those emotions settled I'm okay with how it's developing the characters I'm okay with the setup uh, again the thing with echo and kingpin and the gunshot happening off screen I mean we know god Gosh darn well that neither (laughs) of them are dead. So that's a little frustrating. And again, really transparent into her launching her own show. So I'm... eh, About that. I I
1: don't know. I don't
0: buy that she's
1: going to get her own show. I don't know. I don't fully agree with you on on this stuff.
0: I believe that deal's been inked. It's been made. That isn't supposition.
1: Well, Well, let me just say, I don't think the motivations behind giving her an origin, whatever are purely so she would have her own show. I think it's like just to give her character more depth and, and like
0: motivation anyway. Uh, Well, then uh, that didn't work for me because I didn't give a F about her character (laughs) that of all the things happening in this show. Like, man, I think this show 100% better without that story in it. just let the tracksuit mafia be clowns. I mean, I still have to explain why they're working for Kingpin, why he would put up with it, but let them be clowns. Let Kate and Clint have to connect on a level, like none of that stuff about her and her father and Kazi betraying her makes a difference to this show. Mm. I like take that out. Nothing else about the show changes. I I, I just, unless it's to set up her own thing. Uh
1: okay. I I mean I I agree that it wasn't that that they didn't implement her in the best possible way and that it all could have been handled better. But I think if we're having her at least seem at the outset to be the main villain of the show, giving her an origin story is important, especially considering the reveal that Kingpin is her uncle or whatever. And the, the seeds of that were planted in the origin story from from the get go.
0: It, to be clear, just for the audience who are listening, that, yes, a spin-off series centered on Lopez was announced March 2021. Uh, da, 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 Eton Cohen and Emily Cohen initially set to write and executive produce, respectively. Uh, now, Marion Dare, Dare? Uh, announced in November is set to write and executive produce. Is Echo
3: a straight up villain or more of like an antihero? I think she's she's kind of like Electra in that she's like a an
1: assassin for hire in some. She's more gray, but generally more of a hero
3: in the the comics. Oh, okay, because I, I, I did see something afterwards that said like the shooting was to to um kingpin comes out of it blinded or severely injured or something.
0: Oh, something similar happens in the comics. Yeah, mm. you're right. I don't remember the. She, she, like, she shoots him point
3: blank, and the next uh, page or whatever, he has two patches over his eyes, and he's, like, blinded for a bit.
0: I mean, whatever it was, it wasn't permanent. No. It's one of those comic things that doesn't last. What, so what, I, you know. what is Kingpin's powers? Like,
3: I know he's ridiculously strong, but, like, I mean, he took an arrow to the heart. He got hit by a car. Like... I... I feel like in the comic,
1: his sort of uh, heightened strength and whatever is is more established. I, I I mean, I didn't. It's been a while since I watched the Daredevil series on Netflix, but I don't remember his his enhanced strength being that pronounced in those that series. No, did, neither did I.
3: So I was a little surprised by how. Much more of a strong, like, like he was really strong, like, he's
2: superhuman.
3: It showed him, it showed him in when he was in the jail. I remember him, he was like benching like
0: 500 pounds,
3: yeah. But but it's like a human level strength, right? Yeah, well, I mean,
0: it's yeah, it's usually just comes off just like that. Just he's this big
3: dude and super smart, like, with the Daredevil series, he used more of his intellect than anything, yeah. So
1: I I I found uh, other than the the car chase in episode three, I found the the fight sequences in this series were a little lackluster for me. There there uh, was a lot of quick cutting to hide sort of pedestrian stunt work, and I'm no I'm I'm I, I'm coming off real snobby, but to me. The the fight scenes just weren't that great, and the fight with Kate and Kingpin yeah. was the prime example
3: of that. Was like, not believable at all. Like if no. he he just ripped off a door, and then he took an arrow to the heart, and then yeah. and
0: then on the fact that we're here debating whether or not he has superpowers says that something is not clear about how that fight worked. Yeah, and
1: like, and again, it's like a stupid TV nitpicky thing. But how does Eleanor drive the car into him like how does she turn around and get enough momentum I don't know like the whole the, the, that whole sequence was real
3: sloppy to me I agree with that I mean it was it was fun it was I, I like to see Kingpin like take the hits and you can see kind of how powerful he really is but at the same time you're like this makes no sense because he was he had his hands on Kate a few times and he could have just crushed her but he decided to just kind of throw her around a little, and it's like
0: now contrast that with Kate and Clint on the ice rink and doing the trick arrow bonanza, and like finally she has the trick arrows and they're knocking tracksuits all over the place left and right. Very that was well, a lot done. Of fun. That
3: was well done. I liked, I liked the that one. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, I mean, was it the climax of like season one of the Mandalorian? No, but. <laughs> It, like it was fun and exciting, and like every arrow was like, "Oh, I wonder what this one is going to do." Like that was a blast, and that really worked in the context of the fact that they were fighting these clowns. Yeah, yeah,
2: and their and their like banter was spot on during that fight. Like they were definitely more um, like mentor and student in that point than uh, any other point so i I just didn't see their journey but that should have been the end point for their relationship anyway
3: yeah my big my bigger question is why did the larpers need to change uh, to change into larping gear to direct (laughs) yep the public yeah
0: yeah. When they're literally. Let me zoom out on that one for you, Cash. Just why did the LARPers. <laughs> well, I'll okay. tell you why. So six episodes of this show. Why?
1: Because just why? They had to design a new costume for Hawkeye.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's Leak the answer. He's not wrong. That is the yeah. actual answer. Yeah. We just couldn't go in the straight line. We had to go in like multiple loops through six episodes to get to it. <laughs>
3: you know what even even with the even with the um uh the the new costumes i love how how they did kate's reveal of the costume though she's like did you plan this and she's like "Ah." (laughs) uh like the whole with with yelena in the yeah yeah it
0: comes comes off and she's wearing it under that elevator scene made it like that i I
3: loved that elevator scene there was just (laughs) too much fun with that
1: yeah and i think that Florence Pugh sells it. Like she's she is really good with those sort of
3: comedic beats. Oh yeah, oh, she's I, It's a- so funny. I I never seen her. And I saw it like Midsummer, and then and then all of a sudden I saw her in Black Widow, um, and I was like, oh cool, that girl. Oh my that- god, that-
0: she's the girl from Midsummer. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's literally <laughs> that's literally what I
3: said. And then and then all of a sudden Netflix, I see she's in so many things. Yeah. Wow.
0: That's a very different movie.
2: Blew Jesse's mind. (laughs) There it is.
0: All right. Well, we should wrap this up. That's all six episodes. Um, I will summarize by saying that this. It took me a while to sell me on it. Um, I wasn't like I was on the fence until the end of episode three, and that's halfway through the series. And that like Marvel. Disney Plus streaming shows have set a high bar, and I don't know if this one matched it at the end of the day. But I do think the investment in the slower episodes was worth it for the fun at the end. Uh, It's it's no Loki, it's no Wandavision, but I you know I don't think my time was wasted. Which is it the is it the best? You know it's not five stars, Uh, but that's how I feel about it. Like it was good. I'm glad I watched it. How about you, folks?
3: Oh I loved it I I loved it for for the fun it, it was you know like light and fun like I mean it came off of like as a as a series it came off of Loki so it's that one was like that blew my mind almost every episode with Loki so that's a hard bar to you know so I I like that they didn't even try for it so and I had a lot of fun throughout the series as a whole but yeah, like you said, episodic it wasn't until like the third one that I really got into it
2: <sighs> this is going to be long guys Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> from the trailer I was expecting basically Marvel Die Hard with Hawkeye uh, I didn't get hmm. that, I feel like they had three different shows intertwined and they couldn't get the tones of any of them right Um, What I wanted to see with Hawkeye is a Christmas movie where he's learning to be, you know, not an Avenger. And even then he's inundated by like the Rogers musical um, and has to think about sort of the loss of Black Widow. Uh, So, so you know, that part of his life is so encroaching on him trying to be a dad and a good husband and trying to do normal Christmas things. I think simplifying it, like suddenly the Ronin suit is, you know, seen on the TV and he doesn't know what the hell's going on. No Kate Bishop, have him start chasing that. The LARPers can get involved. I, I thought the sequence with him fighting the LARPers, like the joke of him being an Avenger and having to do something like that and how he's utterly bored with it was incredibly done. Like that should have kind of kept, uh kept, Uh, should have been kept in as a a tone um, breaker. And then eventually kind of having, you know, Yelena kind of come in the background because she is angry with him. And Kate, as someone who's inspired by him, just, I don't know, can somehow stumble and like takes her on. So they get that camaraderie, but kind of frenemy thing started. Um, And eventually like Hawkeye gets to the Ronin suit and Yelena's waiting for him. And they have that, um, confrontation, and they come out of it sort of in in a better place. And Kate then ends up getting to meet her hero, and you know he's this normal guy who's got hearing problems and having those connections, and then starting something new and beautiful. Poof. Yeah, I was holding that in for so long. <laughs>
1: <sighs> yeah, I I uh, I think I agree with Sonali in that I I would have been fun if it had been a little more gritty um i had i'm coming into it knowing that it's it's inspired by the uh hawkeye comic by matt fraction which i really like and is critically acclaimed it's a, it's a great run but the hawkeye that they have in that storyline is an f up and uh The Hawkeye in the the MCU is not. He's very competent. He's a family man. He cannot be a walking disaster like the one in the comics can be. And I think the walking disaster would have been a more entertaining fit for the vibe they were going for. Um, Ultimately, he was just, like, too good at everything for it to be a fun show watching him, like, just stumble through being a superhero without his real superhero buddies. So I liked it. It's, it's, I, 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 uh, on the whole, I liked it, but it's like a six out of 10, as opposed to, you know, a nine out of 10. It's, it's good,
0: but doesn't hit greatness. Like I would have liked it to. And I think for different reasons, that sums up all of our thoughts. Okay. Well, that, uh, Marvel's Hawkeye. And, uh, so thank you to the, what did I call it? The Marvelous Marvelites.
2: (laughs) Marvelists.
0: Marvelists, that's much better. Yeah, okay, we gotta write that down. Um, so now, thanks so much for coming back. Always a pleasure having you. Thank you. And cash, eh, ditto. But uh, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Always like to be here. And while we're giving out thanks, I also want to thank Oliver Wickham, the guy behind our theme song. Uh, You can check him out. He's got a bunch of stuff on Spotify. He's a music producer. He is so good at it. Uh, Definitely worth your time to have a look. And finally, thank you, the listeners. Uh, We're back. 2022, we missed you. Uh The community, the people who tune in just to keep their morning walks a little bit more interesting, uh, and the folks who uh, have lots to say about what we have to say, uh, we are rolling again and uh hoping that this year is going to be better for all of us. Um, looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Hawkeye and anything else that we're hitting this year. But if you had concerns, questions, other things to point out that we missed, other comic book connections, all kinds of ways you can get a hold of us. Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on
1: Facebook, facebook facebook.com slash geektop5. We are on Twitter at geektop5. We also have a wonderful website, geektop5.com, where there's a comment board under every single episode for you to leave your thoughts. Please also feel free to go to your podcatcher of choice and
0: rate and review us. Those ratings and reviews make a big difference. Help us make the podcast better for you. So, uh, just a little bit of time out of your day uh, might make you know, your future days a heck of a lot better. But even if you just wanted to say, hey, we'd appreciate hearing from you. Uh, Hawkeye, it's on Disney Plus, the latest of their really cool Marvel shows, six episodes available now. Uh, the incredible off chance you listen to this without watching them i don't know what to tell you but uh, given all the reveals at the end the stuff we know about eleanor the stuff we know about his wife definitely worth uh, taking a second pass and seeing some of the breadcrumbs leading up to it more than enough to keep you busy until we get a chance to do this again until then i'm jesse i'm graham and this has been geek top five we're back and we'll talk to you again next week
2: Testing. Testing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ben
0: Quadraneros is out (laughs) again. You know who did that voice? Greg Proops. Greg Proops. That that was by Greg Proops. That's what I was trying to do. Well, I just didn't know if you knew Greg
1: Proops. I thought you were just doing the fucking English-speaking head. I just... This is something
0: we have to address later. But well, you don't you of, don't always know the actors. He's That's not on line? We watch who's flying all the time at your house. I know.
2: I think your your levels are your levels are fine guys. Your levels are fine.
0: Okay.